Welcome to the Paterno Fellows Podcast, where today we will be speaking with Stephen Zhang, a fourth-year student who is a Paterno Fellow and Schreier Scholar. So my first question is, what are your majors slash minors, and what path did you take to decide on them? Yeah, um, so I'm a double major in economics and political science, um, and then I'm also in the IUG program which is Penn State's integrated um, undergraduate and graduate master's program. Um, and I'm in the branch for political, I mean, for international affairs uh, with the School of International Affairs. So I would say that it was definitely a journey getting where I am um, throughout college and like trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. Uh, it was it was a lot of, you know, coming into college, I didn't really think about which majors I wanted to choose. And I think I wanted to go into liberal arts with economics and poli-sci just because I thought it was broad enough so that if I could figure out my path and where I wanted to go, it would be a really good, uh, you know, jumpstart, whether it's for a job, whether it's going to grad school, getting more education, etc. Um, I would say it became a lot more evident that like this is the path I wanted to take and like finding passion for all of it when I realized like something that I was really passionate about was understanding human connections, getting to know people um, and figuring out why the world works in in all the different ways that it does. So when you talk about economics, you think about money, you think of markets, but it's also about the human connections and the transactions people make, right? The way that uh, money connects each of us through the basic transactions we make, but also between institutions like local businesses to national supply chains to banks to international and all of that. And then when you talk think about politics, yes, it's a way that people govern and the way that people have their voices heard, but it's really also about the human connections, the way that people understand one another, the the social contract that one makes with their government to understand and to um be willing to be governed. And then that also then has international implications about how culture affects government, the different structures that different governments have. Um, so it was it was definitely a long experience for me to just try and understand more about where I wanted to go. But once I figured out I really like the human connection aspect and the behaviors that kind of go into it, um, I took my majors and I applied to the SIA because I thought, okay, like international affairs would be an amazing way for me to really get hands-on with all of this um, that I was really passionate about. And I was like, it was really thankful. Uh, I was really thankful to be accepted into the program and it's been a blast so far um, to to really apply a lot of these concepts that I've learned in poli-sci and economics into international affairs to say, okay, so how do institutions and countries really interact with one another and what are ways that... Um, we can better the world and society just by leveraging those connections. Um, so I li- also yeah. like how you mentioned that you went into poli-sci um, because it's more of a flexible field. Mm-hmm. I guess like the um, the classes that you yeah. take aren't as structured as other majors. Um, I'm also a poli-sci major and that is also one of the reasons why I went into it. Like obviously I don't know if this is something that I'm 100% um, stick with for the rest of my college career, mm-hmm. but hopefully, mm-hmm. and I'm also taking Econ mm-hmm. um, 104 right now, which is, I think, one of the requirements for poli-sci, so 102 or 104, and mm-hmm. um, personally, <laughs> I probably won't take another Econ class just because, yeah. like, I do have to work um, a little harder mm-hmm. to try to understand the material just because my brain doesn't work um that way but i um am really interested (laughs) in um your ideas of how that Mm -hmm. um, the economics part can also connect with people 
um, individually mm -hmm. because that is something that I am really interested in too. And I didn't think that um, economics really um, paired with that super well. So mm -hmm. yeah, thanks for bringing that to light. Um, and then you also told me um, before we sat down to speak today that you um, were a Paterno Fellow. Yeah. So could you tell me a bit about how you found out about the Paterno Fellows program and your journey into the Schreier Honors College mm -hmm. and um, just like what you found yeah. appealing about the program and how it helped you to get to where you are today. Of course. Um, I think that Paterno Fellows has been a really amazing experience in that by um, working through a lot of the requirements and understanding um, the resources at our disposal as Penn State students and as liberal arts students trying to get into the Honors College and the program, um, it really pushes you to new boundaries and explore different things that you never might have thought um, would be interesting or things that have really are a lot more enriching um, that just might be hidden at Penn State, right? Um, for me, the Paternal Fellows program was something that I really wanted to um, just explore because I knew that I wanted to be in Schreier. I knew that I wanted to write a thesis and have the experience of doing so, uh, but also taking into account the all the valuable opportunities, whether it's the uh, the different brown bag lunches that I've had the opportunity of attending with Schreier or Paternal Fellows throughout the years, whether it's um, really the way that they push you to have a structure for a lot of the uh, things that you want to accomplish in your high, uh, college degree anyways, um, and saying here's like a way to lay out a path for you to be successful, but also take pick up all of these skills, right? I don't think that um, I, I had the opportunity to take a few ethics classes because of Paternal Fellows, and I took ethics of climate change as well as bioethics. Uh, and I don't know if I would have ever taken those classes if they weren't requirements, but after taking them, um, and under after understanding more about the impact that ethics has on our lives and the way that it structures society, it was a really fantastic moment and really fantastic opportunity for me to say and look back and think there are so many ways we can apply this to everyday life right not just jobs but also in relationships also in understanding the world um people motivate are motivated by their morals people are driven to do things because of what they think is right because of their belief systems and all of that were things that we learned or i was able to learn because of my involvement with the Paternal Fellows Program and because um, the program pushes you to have a more well-rounded educational curriculum. Um, and those have also been super helpful in a lot of the leadership positions I've taken, um, not only because of the requirements, but also because of my passion for leadership. Uh, but again, that's not something that honestly I thought that I would pursue when I came to Penn State. I thought I would just get my degrees, be done with it, move on. But um, I think just having those requirements in place and saying, hey, I'm going to give these a shot because I really want to be involved with Schreier and Paternal Fellow and get the most out of my education has led me down paths that really expanded my college experience and the value that I'm getting out of Penn State because now I can not only say that I am a Schreier scholar with a finished thesis and a Paternal Fellow, I also have you know a background in ethics, a background in leadership a background in international um, affairs and like international relations that makes me a really, you know, a really great candidate and very holistic candidate, whether it's for a job, whether it's for professional studies after, um, after Penn State or any of that. That's true. And that's definitely one of um, the biggest perks of joining the Paterno Fellows Program. And mm -hmm. Obviously, we know that um, 
being a Paterno Fellow or being a Shire Scholar is um, uh, requires a more academically rigorous college career, I guess. So would you recommend this path for all incoming uh, students um, who like, I don't know, want to apply to Schreier or want to join the Paterno Fellows program through the liberal arts uh, college? Or like, what would you tell those people who are thinking about joining this program? Like, what advice would you give to them? What do you think they should know before joining? Yeah. Um, I think that there is a place for everyone at Penn State, and I think that society places very heavy normative expectations on success in one way or another, and that usually comes out as accolades and honors programs and all of that. Um, So I would say that Paternal Fellows is really for driven students that are very passionate about not only their college education and learning what um, they do in college, but also taking that and applying it to a worldly perspective, taking it out of just the specific skills they learn about their degree or their uh, desired career field and saying, how can I use this to improve the world? How can I see this in different ways? Because I think, you know, through the ethics curriculum that are required through leadership, you're not learning just about what you're passionate about but you're also learning a very valuable critical thinking aspect and the real world aspect where maybe it's not directly related to your field, but then you can speak on it, whether it's the experiences that you've gained outside of the classroom or within the classroom, right? I think a lot of the things that I kind of iterated about the connections that people have within economics and political science, those are ones that were driven or my, my curiosity for those are really driven and started because I took the ethics classes with paternal fellows um, as the requirement because I thought afterwards like, hey, there are so many ways the world is structured. It's a very fluid structure and getting to know more about different people also really factored into that as well. Um, so I would definitely say that paternal fellows is a really valuable program if you are someone who's driven, um, if you're someone who really values the academic plus the leadership plus the ethics aspect. And then you have, um, then the the goals really kind of help set you out for success and having tangible like places where you can look back and think, okay, am I doing everything that I can to achieve this? Or what are the milestones? Am I accomplishing them in time? And being a good way to mark your success. Um, I would also say that the the resources through the Paternal newsletter is, is really valuable, whether it's these podcasts that we're, we are now, um, you know, participating in and and getting to hear from so many of these different people or the different speaking events uh, and speaking engagements that Paternal Fellows hosts with some really amazing people. Um, And there's like a whole wealth of uh, calendar resources from a lot of professors uh, and faculty that are really focused and enthusiastic of working with Paternal Fellows. Um, But then on the other hand, like I reiterated at the beginning, um, I would say that that doesn't have to be the end all be all. And I wouldn't recommend it to every student because again, I think every student has their own path at Penn State and success can be measured in so many different ways. For a student that's driven on academics, maybe it's focusing and getting that 4-0 and instead of you know grinding through all of these other requirements and Paternal Fellows. Maybe it's um, graduating a year or two early to save money and that might be a bit more difficult with all the requirements from Paternal Fellows and Schreier. Maybe it's something else within the Liberal Arts College where their interests can be taken elsewhere because there's this fine balance that we kind of have to strike as students between classes, extracurriculars, and our mental health. Um, and what works for one person might not work for everyone. Um, and again, I think it's not about 
as much the accolades and the success and how many medals you have after graduation or how many things you can put on your resume as much as it is, you know, what do you want to do with your school career? What is something that you want to do holistically and how do you get there? And for, for a lot of people, it might be paternal fellows, but if not, there's so many other resources at Penn State that kind of get lost because people, uh, it's really hard to search for them. But, you know, working with your advisors, working with faculty that are knowledgeable about the different resources at Penn State is something that's really valuable to help each uh, individual student determine if paternal fellows is something that's right for them or if they want to move into some other field at Penn State. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, paternal fellows is honestly just another resource among the so many others that are here at Penn State and just one of many different paths that you can take. And obviously, I mean, I talked mm-hmm. with Professor Professor Retzel, who um, helps us with the podcast here about how the foundation of Paterno Fellows was basically to make the Schreier uh, Honors College more accessible to more students. So, I mean, I joined Penn State as a liberal arts student, and I learned about Paterno Fellows through a newsletter that I got in the summer before my freshman year. And I thought, I don't know, why not? I'll give it a shot. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I've taken classes because I joined the program that have opened up my world a little bit more. Like I took a sociology class uh, last semester that, I mean, I never really thought that I would take a sociology class before. And now I'm taking two more next semester because I loved it Mm -hmm. that much. And I thought that it was a very interesting and very relevant Mm -hmm. and current topic that is very important that I think everybody should learn about. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just one of many things that you can get um, through the Paterno Fellows experience. And so this is a question just because I'm personally interested as a Paterno Fellows aspirant. What tangible differences do you see between being a Paterno Fellow aspirant and actually um, joining the mm-hmm. Shire Honors College? Yeah, um, I think Paterno Fellows just pushes you to go above and beyond what's required of the Honors College, especially when you're looking at the guidelines for admissions. Um, as well as, I think, really encourages you to branch out beyond academics. So a lot of uh, Schreier entry requirements are based on required courses, um, as well as GPA, and then the essays that are all important and kind of determining from there. Whereas I think what made Paternal Fellows really nice, and you kind of talk, talked about the accessibility part, um, is, you know, do you meet these requirements? If you do, congratulations, you're... you're um, one of the fellows and you're in Schreier. And like, I think that definitely makes it a lot more accessible, um, like you said. And sometimes, you know, there can be things that are easier to go through Schreier in terms of uh, entry because of the, the lesser requirements. But at the same time, I think Paternal Fellows offers that alternate path for people that maybe want to branch out a bit more or want to continue challenging themselves. Um, like you said, like, you kind of took the extra sociology classes and found that that was something that you're passionate about that you might not have taken otherwise because of paternal fellows. Um, for me, I didn't really think about whether I wanted to double major, but I knew that that was a almost like a given because of the extra major or minor requirement that paternal fellows has. And, you know, I definitely don't regret doing it now. And I think it's something that um, I am able to show for it afterwards that at the time I might've said, do I want to do this? Do I not want to do this? And I wouldn't have been sure about it because of the um, other requirements that might have not have been with paternal fellows. At the same time, I think a lot of the other requirements such as ethics courses and the leadership requirement um, really push you above and beyond the classroom and and go towards um, and branch out towards other things that um, 
I think is a part of the Schreier experience that isn't as defined. So Schreier is uh, really emphasis, there's a high emphasis in Schreier on academics, but also on leadership, on ethics and understanding the world and becoming you know, worldly leaders and scholars. However, the requirements for entry don't necessarily reflect that. Meanwhile, I think Paternal Fellows is a more focused program and with a lot more of these distinct, um, I guess, distinct requirements help show that out a lot more so that not only are you in Schreier, you actually have a lot of the experience to speak on it. And when you're looking back after you graduate or when you're as a senior looking back and you think, you know, what have I accomplished so far? I think a lot of it can be driven by paternal fellows or that there's a lot of um, specific landmarks uh, for your college experience that kind of get checked off as you're moving through the paternal fellows and for requirements as you're continuing to stay in the program um, to ensure that you're up to speed with like the graduation requirements and such. Um, It's just sort of like that extra little nudge that some students need to achieve everything that they possibly could. Yeah. And obviously, Fraternal Fellows has a lot of resources to help you with that as well. So my next question is actually about your thesis. Mm -hmm. So the Shire Honors College students have to write a senior thesis. So could you tell me a bit about yours and how it came to be? Yeah. um, So my honors focus is political science. um, And one of the most impactful courses that I've taken was political psychology, which is uh, PolySci 466H um, with Dr. Peter Hatemi. Uh, he was also my thesis supervisor because I just love that course so much and I loved his teaching style and his philosophy. Um, but that class really showed me and, and it really opened my eyes to how politics can be manipulated um, and the ways that politics and politicians use different ways to uh, manipulate people's emotions, ways to garner support for their political agenda, um, and the ways that identity kind of plays into all of that. So getting to work with Dr. Hatemi uh, really gave me the passion to kind of find ways to reduce the effects of um, manipulation through politics and through psychology Um, that caused a lot of the divides that we see in society today. Uh, So then my thesis is titled Investigating the Effects of Empathy and News Readership on Affective Polarization, um, where affective polarization is defined as the distance in feeling between two political parties. So if you're someone who uh, rates the one political party really highly and then another political party that's opposing really low, um, that you're highly effectively polarized. If you rate them the both the same, whether that whether you like them both very much or you dislike them both very much or you're very neutral towards both of them, um, that's considered less actively polarizing. Uh, but then the idea was, okay, I know that people are polarized. I know there's different reasons people are polarized. Let's investigate ways that we can reduce it, right? And one of the things that in literature has, has always been um, considered within political uh, politics, political science, and psychology is empathy. Because naturally, I think the intuition is if you're someone who's more empathetic um, or empathic, you're able to think and feel and step into other people's shoes. And the idea is if you can step into the shoes of someone who's politically opposed to you or have uh, radically different ideas and understand their point of view, maybe you'll become less polarized. Um, However, recent studies actually show that there might be Uh, the opposite effect of empathy and polarization, where if you're someone who's empathic, you're more likely to have your feelings manipulated 
Um, in some cases, that might reduce polarization, but in other cases, it might actually increase polarization. So for example, if you're being primed to feel closer to someone who's on your political uh, side of the aisle, you might then feel like you want to antagonize the other side more, or you might, you might dislike the other side more because you're more prone to feeling and you felt the pain um, of the people that you connect with. So in which case, there are all these different mechanisms that seem to interact with empathy to change polarization. And the one I wanted to investigate was the diversity of news readership. So maybe if someone is really highly uh, empathic and they read a bunch of different news sources, they might be less polarized because they're not only being introduced to their own perspectives through news sources that they read, Um, and align with their thoughts and their beliefs. Maybe if they read more from other sources too, or if they seek out other sources, um, they might be easier connecting with other people, close that distance and reduce polarization. Um, And we did actually find that increased empathy and diversity of news readership increases polarization. But I don't know if that's going to be a definitive result, just because the way that we measured it was how many news sources one reads, and that was the data set that we had. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to control for the uh, the skew or the political bias of the news. So if someone put down they read 10 sources, ideally we want to see someone who reads 10 sources across the political spectrum. In our case, we can't identify the sources they read. So they could have read 10 sources that were all liberal or all conservative versus 10 diverse sources. So I think what we saw in our data was that people who read a lot more sources might just be people who are more politically involved, who are politicians, who want to like see the point of view of um, politics through all of these different lenses. But because they're more empathic and they're politicians that are already more polarized, that might be expanding the polarization gap. Um, so there's a lot of work that I think can be done on polarization, on ways that we can come together and reduce the divide and get back to cooperating and cooperation across different political parties, because I think the political division is some, one of the things that is so divisive about the United States and not just on the grounds of politics, but it seeps into everyday life. It seeps into the lives that people have, um, their own family dynamics, and for good reason too. Um, but I think a lot of my thesis, again, comes from that that base of paternal fellows of those ethics courses and getting to understand that the world is a lot more broader than my own perspective and really wanting to find ways to change that perspective or find ways to help other people broaden their perspectives and reduce the conflict that we have in our world. Wow, I, that's very impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, I learned about um, how polarization in our modern day era has become a bit more mm-hmm. severe than in the past. Right. And um, I think um projects like these definitely help people open their eyes to what is actually happening right now in our society. And I guess the end goal for everyone is to just try and bring it, just unite people a little bit more than uh, Mm -hmm. what is happening right now. So definitely very interesting, very important, current. Um, Yeah, I I love (laughs) your thesis. Um, Thank you so much. Yeah, so... um, these are your last few weeks here at Penn State, right? So what are your plans after graduation and what um, what sort of like internships or organizations or experiences did you have that, I guess, helped you um, 
develop your plan after graduation? Yeah, of course. Um, so right now I have a job lined up with Grant Thornton um, with their public services advisory sector. So they do a lot of government um, consulting and advisory services to improve efficiency, to improve management across all these different governmental units. Um, I would say that ultimately my end career goal is definitely working within um, public policy or international affairs to find ways to, again, kind of like connect people um, and and reduce the the divide that we have across so many of these different disagreements and beliefs and ideas that people have. Uh, I think that's something that I was really passionate about that um, has, I guess, expanded into my professional life. So I would love to work for the State Department. I'd love to go for a PhD in sociology, maybe become a professor. Um, and I think helping others understand the value of different perspectives of where people come from and why they think the way they do um, is essential and, and critical for, for our generation, especially as the world becomes more globalized, as people start you know crossing boundaries across uh, the world and countries and borders a lot more frequently. We're going to need those skills, whether it's in everyday life, whether it's just people or in leadership, um, to be fluid, to be understanding of different perspectives. Uh, because oftentimes something that you might disagree with in your perspective is something that just appears to be perfectly valid in a different person's perspective because of the way they've brought up, the way that uh, their culture is, and understanding how we can work around that is important. Um, I, so I think that a lot of these long-term goals and ideas and like what I want to do out of college um, were definitely influenced by the experiences that I've had as an undergrad. Um, I've been in UPUA, which is the undergraduate student government for the past four years, had the opportunity to serve as the freshman representative, um, a vice chair for the governmental affairs committee, and then speaker of the assembly. And in those positions, it was always my passion to kind of resolve conflicts, understand where people were coming from, um, and make sure that assembly was running smoothly across, you know, all of the different political divides and the tension that might happen um, when you have so many impassioned students um, speaking on what they believe in and uh, just kind of just getting people to understand that, you know, we're bettering student life. Everyone has the same goal at the end, even if we want to get there in different ways. Um, other experiences I've had, I've served two terms as the president of the APITA caucus, which is one of the three multicultural caucuses on campus. Um, in that position, I think it's it's been super important just working in ways to connect different Asian organizations across Penn State, um, be a voice or be a conduit for concerns within the Asian community to administration um, and creating different events that empower the Asian community and empower Asian leadership. Uh, that's been something that's been extremely vital, especially after COVID and the, uh, and the Asian hate, just hearing a lot of my um, Asian friends and colleagues talk about how they felt invisible um, was something that continued to drive me throughout this year to say, I want, really want to create programs that allow people to come together, um, heal over past injustices, move forward, um, find ways to, to find their own leadership, um, and really, you know, go out and find ways to empower themselves and their communities because people, um, I think the Asian community is very disenfranchised in the United States and a lot of us don't feel heard or seen. Um, and, and empowering that is something that I'm really passionate about as well. Um, other than that, I've also held a few different internships. I've worked with um, the Department of Political Science twice as a research assistant. 
Um, I've had the opportunity to, to intern with Eurasia Group, which is international political consulting organization. And I think all those experiences were really ways for me to take what I've learned in class and apply them to real world situations and kind of speak on that in the future. So whether it's working with R, uh, creating a research memos, making recommendations or draft recommendations um, on the ways that, you know, institutions and politics affect our world, I think we're, we're really uh, essential in helping me land a job that I have now. And of course, the senior thesis was was vital too. Um, and being able to speak on all those experiences, whether it's leadership, whether it's um, academic, whether it's professional, I think really was holistic and really essential in helping me land the job that I have now. So yeah. You definitely have a pretty long resume and it sounds like all of your experiences that you've had have definitely helped you become who the person you are today and help you into um, life after graduation. And so just my final question here is a short one, but um, if you could reflect on your time here at Penn State and describe your experience in, I don't know, one word or one sentence, uh, what would that be? That's a tough one, but I really like that you're asking this because I think it it's always good to be introspective and kind of think about what I've done. So. I think I would say transformative. Uh, I think coming to Penn State is such a humbling experience, especially if you let it be one. Um, I, I'm from York, which is two hours away from State College. Um, I'm PA born and raised, and we've moved all across Pennsylvania, but that in itself is not you know, an extremely diverse perspective at all. Um, and you know whether it was elementary school, middle school, high school. Um, I've lived in very like predominantly white communities uh, where the people I interacted with were really like pretty well off across life as well. Um, and York uh, is where we settled for a lot of my life. And I think that's a very like sleepy town um, where people just kind of know each other. So it was a very, it was definitely a bubble that I grew up in. And I remember when I applied to college, I had these ideas about the world, you know, what I wanted to do in my future, that I thought like, oh, like I knew the the answer to all the world's problems, whether it was climate change or political conflict or like all these different social issues. Um, and I thought, you know, I'm going to go into college. I'm going to show people that I know what I'm doing. And then I'm going to use that to land a job and change the world. Um, and so much of that has changed um, between my beliefs, my perspective on the world, the way that I think, the way that I act, because I you know, so many of those perspectives were just blown up in my face coming to, to coming to Penn State. Um, not only because of the size of the school and the curriculum and getting to, to work with fantastic, you know, faculty across all these different aspects and departments that, that know so much about the world. Also getting to meet so many fantastic students, a whole 47,000 of them across not only the United States, but across the, like, the entire world with all these different perspectives, all these different experiences, um, really just showed me how narrow my own perspective was. And that was an extremely humbling thing. And it's something that um, I would say everyone, I think, should have the experience where really, like, it's, it's so transformative to just let your guard down, especially by your beliefs about the world, about how you think the world should function, and just listen to others, be a not only a voice, but a speakerphone for them, being a conduit of their expressions, their emotions, their beliefs, letting that kind of channel through your experience and say, 
how does the world look in someone else's perspective? Would they do the same thing I would do? Why or why not? And that was a really big thing for me that I think has been so valuable uh, at Penn State. At the same time, you know, I never knew, I never thought that I would be a leader, a student leader at all. Um, I I was extremely introverted. I still am. Like, I, I would much rather prefer spending time alone than in groups, and it's just so draining for me. Um, but at the same time, I think because I thought, you know, I'm just going to jump in headfirst and just see what happens and, and join all these different organizations with amazing people that were so welcoming and empowering, um, that changed a lot of my perspective of what I can do as a leader, my value, what I bring to the table, and how I can empower other people. Um, four years ago, I never thought that I'd be in positions like speaker for UPUA or president of PETA. I thought I would always be someone who, you know, um, did they on the back of the envelope calculations or prepared memos for other people that would speak for me. Um, but today I find that I love uh, the ability to empower other people by, by overseeing organizations or by working with people every day. Yes, it's training, but I find myself enjoying it so much. And that's not something that I would have said four years ago. Um, so I would say a lot of, I think Penn State is transformative, makes people uh, better people at the end because the adversity that you face, the differences in perspectives that you get to understand and all of that um, just makes you a whole nother different person. And it's something that I wouldn't trade for the world, um, but it's something that you also have to let happen to you. Right. If, if you're if you're really resistant to change, if you're resistant to the flow of Penn State, you're going to have a completely different experience. But I think the value of coming to a state school that's large and full of people across all these different walks of life is learning from them, understanding how they fit into the world, but understanding how you also fit in and what you can do to um, evolve as, and become a better version of yourself. Um, so transformative, I think, is definitely the word that I would uh, say defines my Penn State experience. And it sounds like you really made the most out of your time here. And I really wish you the best of luck to um, whatever awaits you after graduation. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Of course, I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for having me.